0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static.
1: Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
0: Hey, yeah, we don't we don't have no static. We just got uh, grumbly voices and <laughs> hacking and coughing. It's, uh, I don't know if that's a improvement or not probably not all right breaking news ladies and gentlemen two uh, attorneys not not attorneys well they are both attorneys two secretaries of the treasury former former of course should have gone before secretaries <laughs> oh god you know, on days when my head is working like this, or should we say not working, um, makes me a little nervous. But I feel like it's just going to correct itself relatively quickly. What I'm trying to tell you is that the appalling horror known as Stephen Mnuchin and a guy who was the treasury secretary under Bush, I believe, Olson, actually have been behind the scenes meeting with the head of the Fed, that'd be uh, Janet Yellen, Uh, trying to get this Buckle that we're heading toward, which is, of course, the debt limit. Uh, they've been trying. Talking to her, along with Mitch McConnell, who is the reason we are hurtling toward a fiscal cliff. Uh, Who's just broke that that didn't work. Headline, former GOP Treasury secretaries tried defusing debt ceiling bomb in private talks with McConnell and Yellen, and they were unsuccessful. Uh, You'll be reading a lot about this. Uh, It pops up every now and then. Debt ceiling, debt ceiling, and then somehow, and there's all, you know, apocalyptic pieces written about if we don't pass uh, the increase, we're going down. Well, all that's happening now again. Unfortunately, this time we're dealing with a Republican. Minority, again, Mitch McConnell is the minority leader that refuses to engage. They just sit there. And by their recalcitrance and obstinacy and self-involvement, they... actually create a situation in which the global economy is at risk. So let me just, I know for those of us who are sort of economically in terms of understanding all this stuff challenge, let's just make it very clear. The debt ceiling is about paying the debt that has already been accrued by our government. This is the debt, you know, well, most of us know, we certainly do, about accruing debt and that it has to be paid off or there are consequences. Not so much if you're the United States of America. However, the debt ceiling is about paying off the debt that is already there. Now, since Republicans have been in control of the government for the prior four years, the debt, much of the debt, most of the debt that we're talking about is that which they Created with their agenda, including, may I remind people, a trillion, God knows how many dollars, little gift to the rich with a huge tax cut. The debt ceiling is not about future spending which if you've heard Mitch McConnell at all he keeps talking about oh, I'm not paying but I'm not going to pay for Biden's outrageous spending that hasn't been spent it hasn't even been uh voted on his budget and and passed it's not what we're talking about Mitch so just to make clear Debt ceiling is not about future spending, which creates future debt. So Republicans refusing to get on board with what has always been done by them, by us, always, because it's the responsible thing to do. Republicans are actually voting or not collapse. This economy by refusing to pay for what they they already passed, I the gall, the unmitigated gall. Headline: U.S. default. This is, by the way, coming up next month. It's like breathing down our necks. A U.S. default, which McConnell is threatening. I ain't going to help you. You go right over. You just drive that right over that cliff. They're doing it, of course, as a political calculation, thinking that everyone will hold Democrats and Biden responsible. Never mind that a default would cost maybe six million American jobs. Wipe out huge amounts in debt. I mean, excuse me, in debt, in wealth. (laughs) Uh, Moody's, you know, the guys who know about this stuff and fiddle with numbers a lot. The chief economist there, the one who came up with these numbers, uh, that uh, this debt ceiling is not raised. We're going to see. As many as six million jobs wiped out, the unemployment rate surging to nine percent from around five percent. Uh, and, and again, just to make clear, the national debt increased by close to eight trillion dollars under Donald Trump. And the Republicans. And now the Republicans and Mitch McConnell are acting like, well, I believe it is time to be fiscally responsible. And uh, there are consequences to this kind of ridiculous spending. So let me just give you some of what they're saying could happen. The scenario is cataclysmic. The downturn would be comparable to that suffered during the financial crisis of 2008. That's something that, you know, these Treasury secretaries know something about, which is why they have been desperately trying to talk sense to McConnell. Talking sense to McConnell doesn't doesn't work. Nothing works with him. Uh It could be that the United States, for the first time, will simply be unable to pay its bills.
2: I'm sorry. Did I call Janet Yellen the Fed chair? I'm so mixed up.
0: So she's the Treasury Secretary. She's been meeting with these other Treasury Secretaries. God almighty. This... Kind of default would be unprecedented in history, and if it happens, it's probably going to happen a re, um, in about in half weeks. I mean, and this is a, here, here's the thing: if it happens, if McConnell does what he says he's going to do, uh, the U.S. Treasury is going to have to figure out whether to not pay Americans on Social Security what they're expecting that month? Or do they not pay the bondholders of our debt because they can't do both? And so whatever choice would be made that would either under, I mean, my God, failure to pass this debt limit will have caught, catastrophic, cataclysmic, apocalyptic impacts on financial markets all around the world. Interest rates would spike. That would ripple through the economy. Costs on everything would rise for all of us. The value of the dollar would decline. Auto loans, home loans, all that would go up, up, up. Stock prices would go down, down, down. And all of this because Republicans are sitting there playing their usual game of
2: brinksmanship.
0: Historically, just again, both parties, both parties which have gotten very good at accruing more debt. Both parties historically have come together always in the past to ensure that the ceiling gets raised. But things are not as they have ever been before.
2: And so, stay tuned. Stay tuned.
0: Yeah uh, yeah 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 yeah. Reminds me of this story I saw about a Republican anti-vaxer woman who actually tried to run a county health department director off the road going 70 miles per hour. Did it more than once. Tried to trying to kill him. I'm thinking of McConnell trying to take the whole country over a cliff. This, She's an anti-vaxxer. This anti-vaxxer in Michigan trying to run this poor guy off the road because he was arguing for mandating masks. And he later wrote to the commissioners that he works for, i'll quote him there is nothing to be gained by entertaining such people with dialogue i do not intend to needlessly expose myself or my family to the brute mob hatred i think it's a grave mistake to unnecessarily give them targets and platforms there is a sickness in america far more insidious than COVID. I will not participate in witch trials in which the science I've presented and the opinions of legitimate experts is reduced to the same stage as people living in echo chambers of junk science YouTube videos. If you want to fire me, or censure me, or pass a resolution condemning me, by all means, please proceed. But first, let me share my prayer with you. I pray that people more powerful than me rise up with one voice and say, we will not tolerate or provide quarter for this nonsense in our America. This guy is just one of many people in this position of trying to keep the people in his county healthy during a pandemic who have been threatened in this case in a real attempt on his life. And and he went on to say, others are calling me a traitor, a traitor to our nation and liberty who must be stopped at all costs. Really? This is not an email, he writes. I am the grandson of two World War II heroes, the son and stepson of men who served during Vietnam and the brother of a soldier who served in Afghanistan. We proudly wave the flag at my house and in my office. No, but. I ain't going to get you by anymore. Not these days, not in these times, and not with these Republicans. Oh, dear. All right. So I'm going to stop bashing them, Republicans, for just a little while, although I'm going to introduce to you a guy who will not bash Republicans because he's a true old-fashioned kind of journalist. He's not the type you'll see on CNN or MSNBC. Being his opinion, there goes my friggin' phone. He is a just the facts, ma'am. I'm going to report the facts. Stephen Caruso is the, um, I think, Statehouse reporter. Do I have that correct? Statehouse reporter for the Capitol Star. Is that right? Do I have your title right? I never have titles right.
1: Yeah, yeah, Steve. I'm the house reporter. Can you, yeah, I, can, you, can you hear me? I, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I'll just make it short. Uh, you know, the press room, they don't give us the best reception up here. Uh, you got Uh-oh. my title correct, though.
0: Yay! <laughs> well, but, but you can hear... Okay, Stephen Caruso is, you know, as I said, a true journalist, and... He's my former producer. I always have to add that. I cannot believe you left. You left the employ of City Paper to go to Harrisburg. I cannot believe it.
1: Never get off. I miss. I miss City Paper every day, and uh, I do miss Pittsburgh. But man, there's just a lot of news up here. So I oh yeah. I, I guess you want to talk about the Turnpike. Maybe you want to talk about um, math. <laughs> I mean, is there something big I'm forgetting? I can't recall. I believe so
0: because you know what I am staring at a New York Times rather large article about a story that I first read in your from you, which is the effort by Republicans in Harrisburg who control things there in the legislature. To uh, you know, I I call it continuing the coup uh, to start delving into the election of 2020, which Biden won by 80,000 votes here in Pennsylvania, and they're doing this mm-hmm. based on all the you know bullshit and uh, debunk conspiracy theories, and here we go. Okay, so this has made national news. Because it mm-hmm. just keeps on keeping on.
1: It does. Um I so yeah, uh the there's basically uh where do they even start? There's basically this committee. This committee has never really been used for much in the Senate. So the Intergovernmental Operations Committee. Usually it just focuses on regulation. Like just says, Hey, D.E.P., you're trying to protect too much groundwater. Uh don't do that. Uh and but now it's been taken and used to try and start this investigation of the 2020 election also technically the 2021 primary but uh let's just the big focus is on the 2020 election um, uh, uh, and the issue the is re- you know issued... i i
0: just want to say that what this well, uh normally very quiet committee is is doing is all of a sudden you know in the limelight what it's really doing is kissing the ass of the former president. Well, uh, yeah, so they, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. So, they, I'm sorry, Stephen. This is what listen oh, to okay. a real a real journalist. Then pause. Uh,
1: yeah. Go ahead. Um, so they issued subpoenas last week, which is why they've. This is really big news. So this is kind of ringing of what happened in Arizona. I think they started theirs back in January, or February. Uh, but they issued subpoenas for. Um, what was it? Uh, all 9 million. So th- this is a, something I want to emphasize for your listeners. They probably have read about this. I'm not, I don't know what the New York Times do. It is 9 million people they're requesting information from. Sometimes you see yeah. 7 million. It's 9 million. They've requested every <laughs> single registered voter's uh, address, name, uh, and voting history, uh, plus driver's license numbers and partial social security. Now, the other thing I will add is that a lot of the information is already public. Like the way campaigns work, like any one of our your listeners, I could do it too. You could do it. We could take $20, sure. go to the Department of State and buy most of that information. The big difference is, of course, the identifying information. I'm not saying that to downplay it, but I just think it's important to note that like in some ways, like that to me makes the scene even more interesting that they're issuing a subpoena for something that like any <laughs> sort of data processor can buy and, and get. Um Like, you know, some of that stuff is really like kind of just out there. Like it's how political campaigns operate is that they know your address. Like, how do you think door knockers know where you live? But then, you know, why would they?
0: So why, Stephen, then why would they uh, make the big uh, play of subpoenaing? Although we then have to also talk about the fact that Mm -hmm. the Social Security number and uh and the driver's license information is the kind of thing that identity set thieves go after. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, so which that, is why it's not available.
1: You, exactly. So clearly, you couldn't buy that, and that's what I was leading into. So. Uh, you know, I had the same question because I'm looking at a lot of the information they requested and most of it could be gotten by a public means. You could repile right to knows or buy it. Uh, but, you know, the, the partial Social securities and driver's license numbers raise a lot of privacy flags. And uh, Senator Chris Dush, who's a lady in the committee, said at the meeting last week that uh, let me see if I can pull up the exact quote, um, that there have been questions around the validity of people who have voted whether or not they exist. We're not responding to the proven allegations. We are investigating allegations. Uh, Josh was asked afterwards by the press corps what he meant by that. And he referred to tell me if you guys mm-hmm. heard this one um, unopened but sworn affidavits that claim there was voter fraud in Pennsylvania that I believe were gathered by the state Republican Party. Uh, you know, what these <laughs> are sworn affidavits that I, the Trump campaign claims they had. Uh, that they didn't bring up in their dozens of court cases. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah. So we're kind of going you know off of the same thing that we been going off
0: Steven, of. Steven, you know why they never brought it up in the past? Because it was just left by the Tooth Fairy under Dush's pillow the other night.
1: Well, he said he hadn't even looked at them yet at the same – it's the funniest part, uh, I would say. Uh, So look, yeah, it's the the same stuff. It's the same stuff we saw in 2020. And -hmm. I know you made a big deal about saying that I'm not opining, but I don't think I'm opining when I lay out the basic fact that there is no proof of – there's no proof of mass voter fraud changing the outcome of the 2020 election. That's that's just a fact. None. Uh, So uh, there's none. Uh, everyone from, you know, county boards of elections to Trump's own AG have said that, so, you know, uh, and I think that, you know, this is, uh, you know, I, I it was interesting for me because as someone who's been following the General Assembly, they have always, I would say, this bears out in our reporting, and I would just point to all of that, tried to find a way to walk a line of respectability while also trying to appeal to uh, Trump supporters. How can they question the election without actually questioning the election? How could they walk a line? And they've always been trying to do that. Jake Corman even kind of referenced it during the subpoena he, or hearing. He's the Senate president, so one of the one most powerful senators there. And he was even like, look, we were, we pushed back when people wanted to appoint electors and we said we couldn't do that. <laughs> He's correct. You can't, like, you cannot under constitution appoint electors that that would cause a, a court challenge. But, you know, at the same time, then, like, Chris Dush literally, like, when he was pressed on, why are you, why are you requesting this information? Like, why did you need identifying information? Fell back on this idea that a voter fraud, that people voted who did not exist. And there's no evidence of that. There's none. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of good faith conversations like we had about how the state's voting laws can be improved. I mean, you look at the delay. That uh, there was not the counting of mail-in ballot ballots, so that was due to a lack of canvassing. So that's the uh, that's allowing counties to open and then count ballots before election day. Uh, they don't have the ability to do that right now. Uh, you know that. But I understand, Stephen. Like Stephen. Yeah, I'm sorry to not yeah. interrupt, but I understand that there no, no, is
0: <clears throat> there is a isn't there a bipartisan bill? Believe it or not. That has um, somehow been stuck somewhere. That would try to address these issues and and allow the counties to start processing the mail-in ballots uh, earlier and, yeah. and all of that.
1: Yeah, that is. So uh, this is, uh, well, uh, I'm literally working on it as we speak. So there's two bills. There's uh, I think your your listeners might be interested. There's the one you mentioned. That's in the Senate. Believe it or not, as the Senate conducts this audit uh, or you know that's what they are calling it at least uh as they're conducting it uh one of the senators who sits on that committee dave argill has introduced this bipartisan bill which is basically just we're going to give counties three days of pre-canvassing we're going to move the deadlines to apply for mail-in ballots back that's pretty much all counties have wanted that's like it and like you know there are people who are, gonna, who are going to i think rightfully like be concerned about moving the de- deadline to apply for mail-in ballots back but counties have just said like as is right now, with how tight the deadlines are, quote like there's basically a week between when you can last apply for a mail-in ballot and election day, and with postal delays and all the issues that I'm sure your listeners might have seen, they're just like <laughs> we cannot guarantee that if you apply on that last day, we get your application and we get you a ballot back before election. That would disenfranchise someone, which is usually their point. Either way, you know what I mean? So right. basically, there is this small targeted bill. It's probably like 11 <clears throat> to 12 pages. I was just talking to, like, Hoving County's election director about it. And they feel really good about that. County election officials want that bill to pass because that addresses everything they've been asking for since April of 2020. <clears throat> well, to the Republicans, bill, because this
0: I, I don't understand how Republicans, this would seem to generally make some of these mm-hmm. – uh, make voting easier or more available or the election run more smoothly, which
1: Republicans don't want. So how are Republicans going well, to vote for this? Well, that is, so what, what I would say is, you know, once again, looking at my old reporting, uh, this was the issue back in spring when there was that first push from Harrisburg to try and pass a big omnibus election bill that would end up including voter ID voter verification and strict mail-in ballots in a lot of ways. Um, and that right. was the thing that I kind of highlighted is that like, there's really no, like, like it is hard, I think, particularly in the House, which is sometimes can each chamber has their own little, like, things that make them occasionally uh, act up. And in the House, I don't know if there's a way to get a Republican majority, because all these legislators operate on majority of the majority. You need to have majority of Republicans agree on something to pass it. I don't think you can get there without there being, like, like you can't get pre campusing which the counties want, and, like, these small changes without adding a bunch of other things that will get the majority of Republicans feel as if they are, like, addressing, you know, election integrity enough. You know, like that that, <laughs> that sort of nebulous concept that uh, is starting to pull well after Trump and Republicans talk a lot about it after the 2020 election.
0: Oh, God. You know, let me let me just I mean, this to me is is uh, theater. I mean, it's it's it. it don't these guys have anything to do that actually people elected them to do? Is well, there any I mean, real work going on? Um
1: I will say they're gonna work working on some stuff on opioid addiction. Uh they extended a disaster decoration in Southeast PA for uh you know, for Ida damage. Um They punted on masks. I have a story up today on that. Uh, Look, you know, there's the seven million or seven billion in ARP money that remains unspent that uh, there could be some action on. I don't know. That remains to be seen. Uh, You know, look, this is having a full time legislature in partisan political times. I think that this this quote, I didn't get it myself, but it was thrown at me a couple of times that apparently someone on backgrounds, we don't know who said this but someone told like a national forecaster that the Harrisburg environment is akin to Fallujah. Uh look, I mean there's no uh men with assault rifles shooting at each other at the capital. So maybe they're just being a little uh you know um Uh, expanding on it a bit, but I, you know, I know people that there's a lack of trust in the building and and everything's very partisan and, and, you know, it's, it's hard to get stuff done when, when there's Uh, nothing,
0: no, nothing's getting done. May I just uh, add something that, um, back to, I'm sorry about my voice. It's not something you don't know about. Um, back to what we were originally talking about with these subpoenas and all this craziness and the so called audit um Dush, the guy who's heading this Senator Dush, was asked at a um some kind of a uh press availability if mm-hmm. some of the vendor you know who's going to be doing who are you hiring? to do uh-huh. to look at all this uh, information that you've subpoenaed and uh, he was asked specifically about whether any of the possible vendors would have ties mm-hmm. to the infamous lawyer soon to be disbarred i'm sure sidney powell who has mm-hmm. been selling false conspiracy theories um about the election and is facing a lot of legal jeopardy as a result and here's what Dush answered. He said, "The answer to that is I really don't know because it's not something that is relevant to my determination." So the mm-hmm. questioner says, "So it's possible then that you're gonna you're gonna have somebody uh, re- that with ties to Sidney Powell looking at all this stuff?" And he says, "It is absolutely possible." Mm-hmm. He didn't yeah,
1: even I try was, uh, to back away from that. Amazing. Yeah, so that happened. That happened during the the hearing. That was a he was under questioning from the same state senator who elicited that uh, response about these if people who were actually exist voted. Uh, and uh, that's Steve Santisario for anyone who might be curious. Uh, but you know, I, I yeah, he he said that I am until we know who the vendor is i heard that i'm thinking about it i will you know and or and my my colleague who covers this as well like you know it's just something to keep an eye on you know we we will know who the vendor is when we do i think that you know that's i uh, in my head that certainly seemed like a possibility i believe it was um you know the the uh the audit that was done in fulton county a small rural county uh that sort of was a preview for a lot of what we've seen uh that used a Westchester Westchester firm that uh, Mastriano, Senator Doug Mastriano, um, helped connect with Fulton County, and then did the Arizona audit. I believe that audit was funded by um, by Cindy Powell's uh, nonprofit, <clears> if <throat> I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, this is <clears throat> this space has a lot of these conspiratorial characters, and so like it's just something that I think, you know, the press is going to be on guard for. We're all going to be looking for, and we'll, we'll know when they tell us. Who the vendor is, if they tell us who the vendor is, so I believe they have well, some transparency pending.
0: Ah, well, so this, I mean, thank God. Here's where the press, you know, is what we rely on here to keep an eye on what these uh, these repulsive characters are are up to. I want to, you know, the fact that the, th- these Republicans have uh, control. And you see Republican legislature after Republican legislature, and they're the majority of legislatures in the country, passing this, putting the same, doing the same stuff. They're just copying each other. Oh, now we're doing these audits based on totally false information. Oh, now we're going to go after abortion. Well, I I saw because I get stuff from Planned Parenthood. That there are no fewer than three, six, nine bills that have gotten into the hopper somewhere. Not sure. Not sure at what point. Um, House bills and Senate bills that deal Mm -hmm. with things like these are all the kinds of things Republicans go. There's a six week abortion ban. That's a tantamount Mm -hmm. to what Texas has. That's Mm -hmm. there in Harrisburg there is um a bill called fetal homicide i can only imagine what that one is there's a, of course defund planned parenthood bill there's a bill for fetal remains these are all the kinds of things that republicans do to torture pregnant women i i they just torture pregnant women. So what are the odds of any of these bills? Have you are you aware of these and, and at what where they are in the pipeline yeah. there?
1: Uh, so I'm working on a story at least on the six week ban because look, there's a lot of these sort of culture war red meat issue bills that Republicans have sitting uh uh-huh. kind of but like the um the six week ban has already been kicked out of committee. So that could come up before four votes, like pretty much at any time. I'd have to go through like one more hoop but like the point is uh, you know, it, it, it yeah, it's there. Um, you know, I I mean I think the first episode of abortion is it's not gonna become law, tumble will veto it, they don't have the votes to override it. Uh so that's just like the necessary caveat, uh, not to like take away from you know what people might what people, people might respond to seeing such things be voted on the first place. But uh yeah, I mean pro life voters are part of the Republican coalition. Uh, the broader story that I am, you know, check back the Capitol star. I just think that there is going to be a lot of pressure on Republicans uh, to advance something. One of these red meat bills, it could be that. It could be uh, there's a permitless constitutional carry bill, the, a bill banning private employers from mandating vaccines. Uh, that's known as right to refuse in the uh, Capitol. Uh, oh, God. Uh, you know, there's a lot of these sort of – and I am – I'm looking to see kind of maybe one run. There's this old truism that uh, a few staff would kind of mention that, like, Republicans kind of this role. is like you one-run abortion – a one-abortion bill a session because you run too much and it becomes too big an issue. You run – you know, but you have to kind of run one to prove that you guys are – you know, that they're still, you know, pro-life. So, uh, you know, I would look for action on one. What they're going to settle on, I don't know. We'll still veto it. They won't be overridden. But, I, yeah, that's just kind of going to be – Uh, Okay, but it's more it's more theater
0: and it's more theater. That's all they do is theater, whether to please Donald Trump or to please this (laughs) rabid monster of a base that they've created and are, frankly, scared to death of, obviously.
1: You know, I would the only thing I would say is that, you know, there is the one it, it is. What there is a desire for is to put these votes up, because the whole way a legislature works is you kind of want to prevent votes. The rules are set up in a way that, like, you kind of don't disable You're not able to call up votes on whatever you want all the time. Leadership's very pick and chooses their battles. Uh, so I guess, like, I'm just saying this because, you know, what, what activists want too. I mean, this would be happening with with progressive causes as well. You know, you want to vote because, like, it's just hard to get that vote. And then people have to say yes or no on your chosen policy. And then you know where they actually stand, because it's so hard to nail down what lawmakers actually think in a lot of cases. You know, I, I think I could say that without sounding biased, that you know, sometimes politicians don't want to answer my questions. Ah,
0: that's a shocker.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, you know,
1: keep paying attention to Harris, for example. I, that's my plea for your listeners. I swear a lot of important stuff happens up here.
0: Yes. Yes. It is a lot of important stuff and it doesn't get covered. You know, television news doesn't, local television news doesn't cover it. Um, and only people who are, I don't know, how many people even ever read about it? It's, 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 it's really something. And I think when you're in Harrisburg, you, for you, you, you're in a bubble and you forget mm-hmm. that in the rest of the, of the, Commonwealth, nobody is following any of this.
1: Yeah, I uh, I realize that today. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's and it's it's why we end up with a ridiculousness that we've got upon us. I don't know. And you said, by the way, that uh, one of the things they managed to get done is they they uh, what they, they they furthered the emergency declaration for. Uh, for Ida, um, you know, getting, yeah. yeah. Okay. That is not something that a year ago the legislature would have had anything to do with. Am I correct?
1: You're absolutely correct. That was the story I did pointed that out. Absolutely.
0: Because that is an executive function. That is what a governor does or a president does.
1: Well, but you know, except for the constitutional amendment, the voters approved, Lynn.
0: The voters again, who don't have a clue. Yes, I was stunned. Voted on that. It couldn't have been a close vote, could it? I can't remember. It they was, gave no, the sure legislature. The, 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 they gave the legislature. What are voters thinking? They gave this partisan group of uh, performative clowns an executive function because of what Wolf did regarding the pandemic. He had too much power. God almighty. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm ranting. Hey, are you having a good time? Yeah, yeah. Are you having a good there. time there? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we're keeping busy. There's plenty of news. Uh and I yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean I uh it's it's a good gig where I it actually feels like this is important, which is nice.
0: No, it is. It is important then, as I said, and you're doing important work. Would that it receive more dissemination than it does? Because you know it ain't sexy stuff it ain't a water main break or a car wreck which is the kind of thing of course that the tv news wants it got no visuals
2: <laughs>
0: oh dear okay well listen i there's so much going on and uh yeah we're heading in i i i can't, I can't imagine the next uh, election with shapiro in 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 running and Fetterman and lamb and all of that, and is that is that sort of outside where you is that does that get outside of your bailiwick? no I, I,
1: I'm covering the governor's race mostly I mean you know that's what I'm gonna have the most first hand knowledge of, so I don't know what you're talking about Josh Shapiro hasn't announced yet one.
2: oh come on <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right has
0: anyone announced?
1: Only Republicans. I have Hapl- interviews with a lot of them on the website. If you want to, okay. check. you might enjoy some. No of them. thanks.
0: No, I won't. <laughs> Hapless Republicans <laughs> have thrown their hats in. All right. Absolutely. Hey, you. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, now you can go back and talk to all those gas bags you have to live with. Oh God. Can't imagine. <laughs>
1: I mean, it. I, I can't them, imagine. They, I, I promise you, they're they sometimes quite enjoyable people to talk to. But on that note, thank you for having me, Lynn. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, my best to you, Stephen. Bye. 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 <laughs> oh God, I don't know. I would kill myself. I would. I would kill myself if I actually, when I first started my journalism career in in television, was in Wisconsin. And I lived in Madison, which is like Harrisburg. It's the capital. And so we covered that capital a lot. And I, I so hated it. I couldn't, God, can't believe I ended up still having to pay attention to it. Dang it. All right. Okay, guys, here. Um do I have? Oh, I saw a quote from John Meacham, the historian, which uh, fits into my dark view. And he said uh, that America right now is in a place um, that it has not been since pre-Civil War which, of course, is a little daunting because it suggests that we are again in a pre-Civil War period. I would argue the war has been going on forever. It's just obvious now. And he said it is unprecedented except for that, which is, which takes us back to the 1850s.
2: So... He says, and
0: I, I I use, this is Meacham's words, I use that analogy very, very advisably, because we know how the 1850s ended. They ended in bloodshed. They ended in cataclysm. And uh, I am not predicting armed conflict here, he says. But I do think we have to take a pretty deep breath and think about what's genuinely at stake. And then he goes off on the fact that we are essentially devolving into... uh, a tribal, totally tribal culture that is, in fact, at war. The tribes don't trust each other at all, don't recognize each other really at all, are unwilling to get together to see a greater good, to see a commonality of purpose anywhere. And he says, and here's the part that I, I mean, I think he's absolutely right, although he, at the end, tries to, you know, make it a little slightly less, horrific he says this is on us this is on the people because democracies are counterintuitive and here's what he means and here's why democracies and here's why China and Russia and all the other autocracies believe that they they will have the upper hand because democracy as a system as a construct is at base counterintuitive in that human beings human animals
2: are driven by appetite And by ambition.
0: And democracy, let's meet him again, is about seeing each other, not as rivals, but as neighbors.
2: And we do not see
0: each other as neighbors in America. So the very thing that's necessary for a democracy to, to stand is that there has to be that sense of even if we disagree, the greater good has got to be acknowledged and recognized. And it requires a certain degree of Maturity and
2: honor, and there's not enough evidence that enough Americans are capable
0: of upholding a democracy. I mean, we have one of the major parties, the Republican Party, actually. Um, It is not too strong to say that the Republican Party, by its actions, is increasingly an anti-democracy party. Never mind all the stuff that traditionally it's, you know, supposedly stood for fiscal conservatism. That is such bull, because every Republican administration has grown our deficit and debt more than the one before it. Strong foreign policy? This Republican Party is the one that knowingly, in cahoots, with vladimir putin the k g b and Russia,
2: yeah helped elect the last president,
0: so the Republican party of late has seen common common cause with Russians, not with Amer- fellow Americans. And when one of the only two major parties goes that away, well, we are in big trouble. And because of the structural craziness of our constitutional republic, given to us, you know, hundreds of years ago, because of the need for compromise in a Other world, another time. We have this bullshit electoral college and the Senate, which gives unbelievable power to a minority in our country, and the electoral college, which gives the White House to a minority. And I don't know that a democracy
2: can stand, given all those pressures and the inability for them to be addressed.
0: Hey, here's something exciting. If you live in, I'm changing the subject. If you live in, where was it? Lawrenceville, Bloomfield,
2: some other little neighborhood in those there parts.
0: In just about a week, if you live in those places, you're going to be seeing little black, they're not even that little, black boxes on wheels trundling down the sidewalk. Yes. Delivery robots. And this has the city uh government behind it. It's a pilot project. You got a drugstore and a restaurant already signed up so they'll these these robots will be full of well, food, drugs, I don't know, whatever somebody might want and have or, has ordered, and they'll go from the drugstore or the restaurant, they'll make their way down the sidewalk to the person's house. Really? I, I just want to say, is this necessary? I feel about this like I feel about cloning woolly mammoths. Is this necessary? I'm just saying if you're a pedestrian, because I guess the state, somewhere at the the state level, these black boxes on wheels had to be recategorized so that they are considered pedestrians. Ha! That's so they can get on the sidewalk. On the other hand, they're still able to go, I believe, in the street if they go up to 25 miles per hour, which apparently they're capable of although not when they're on the sidewalk.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wow. Um,
0: there was a sort of interesting talk about inside the bubble. I was saying, you know, and I know it's true, when, you know, wherever it is we are, We think that's the way things are. Understandable that we would. You know, we live our lives. I often used to say when I would watch the television news, local news especially, I would say, the picture here bears no resemblance to the reality of my life in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. None. I lived a very quiet day, uh, no problems, and yet if you look night after night at what is presented in media, it is, you know, it's it's a horror show, and so we do tend to think that wherever it is we are is, or what's in our lives is the way pretty much life goes, And we're wrong. We'll always be wrong when we think that, no matter where we are. And I think especially for the elite of America, and they constitute, think about it, the people who decide what news is, the media, those are elites, the heads of corporate reality, the people who have money and means they're the ones who tell the story right and the way that i i saw a piece that's so put into i'm i'm trying to find it here cuz for some reason it won't come up on my computer um, that we think i can't find it that we think certain things based on our experience. Can't find it, but here's as much as I
2: remember. During this
0: pandemic, when so many of us hunkered down, right, in our homes, there was a sense that everyone was hunkered down in their homes. And someone writing in The Atlantic actually went to find out what percentage of Americans during this pandemic, especially in those early, you know, those first terrifying six, seven, eight months, what percentage were working at home? I mean, think of all the stories you saw the beleaguered moms and dads and children all over the place and trying to figure out how to do this be a be a teacher be a you know be a employer be an employee be all these things besides being scared to death about the pandemic So when people were asked what percentage of Americans do you think worked from home during the pandemic
2: when asked people
0: in relatively well, white collar jobs, white collar jobs, right? They thought the number was like 55% 8% maybe even higher. The only People who were really out there were those poor frontline workers that had to be. And the assumption by folks like me was that everybody else was at home. And the number, it turns out, of people who worked at home and maybe still are working at home, the percentage in America was 21%. Now, that told me I'm living in a bubble because almost everybody I knew
2: was working from home.
0: The only person that kept me at all with one foot in reality, was my son, who throughout the pandemic worked outside the home. His job could not be done from his house. He had to go out. And it turns out, I thought he was in the minority. He was in the vast (laughs) majority. and i i don't know i it, it's really stuck with me and i'm so sorry i can't access the article because there's more like numbers in it but i think i have that percentage right and i doubt that many people thought that the number was that low but that's not true that's just people like me so this this reminder, and boy, we should have these reminders constantly, that the sense we have of the world is so ridiculously myopic and narrow and has only to do with our own set of circumstances. But what's dangerous about this, again, is that because There is one group that tells the story, media, and they are overwhelmingly always living in a bubble. Always.
2: And in that respect,
0: divorced from the very people they supposedly are telling us about. You know, I think uh, generally a journalist, if you stop and think of how Trump and Trumpers were covered for the last God knows how many years now. When the New York Times, or the Washington Post or some network wanted to hear from real America. They had this cartoon image. Where do they go? They go to a truck stop. They go to a diner.
2: and they don't have a clue. They have this
0: cartoon image in their heads. When they want to talk to a real American, do they ever talk to a black person? No, it's always got to be a white person.
2: And usually a conservative white person.
0: I don't I don't think the story and the view we get from media is often correct because the people who are telling us are often clueless. they're smart they can write a story but they're operating from that bias that we all do operate from which is my life is the norm
2: I don't know. I'm just thinking out
0: loud. All right, guys, I think that's it of me thinking out loud. At least I'm thinking better than I was at the beginning, although my voice didn't get much better. So uh, thank you for uh, being there, if in fact you were. And uh, I'll see you all tomorrow. Okay. Have a good one.